0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host, Eric, and we are back with episode 12 of The Eagle. We took a really long hiatus there, and I'm not 100% sure how prompt I will be with releasing the remaining episodes. Um, Just a heads up, if you are just joining us, you're going to want to go back to episode one because we are in the middle of reading a book together. Uh, At some point when I finish recording all these, I will put them up in a singular audiobook, but the plan was to kind of... Peace it out. I'm a busy guy, and uh, it's just something I wanted to try out doing kind of for fun in my spare time. There is a recap episode that my girlfriend and I posted a while back that covers episodes 1 through 10. If you were listening along before and just wanted a refresher on where we're at, um, I have been informed that we're on episode 12, Last episode, James made an attempt to resume his life, only to find Wren's influence was everywhere. The only place Wren wasn't, Maury's old apartment, James ran into Ollie. After a night with Ollie, James confronted Wren just long enough to accept the head of enforcement position. On the following Monday, James moved into the office in the main part of Delinquency, just down the hall from the shared desks where he and Ren had started out. Enforcing was, for the most part, functional at a glance. James knew it was not that Wren could not manage to run it himself. He had been, but that Wren was not getting any sleep doing so. James already knew the enforcing managers. He had spent the past few days mostly reading through reports to familiarize himself with current open cases and staffing issues. He addressed a few of the smaller issues, checked in with his managers, got his desk set up how he liked it. When it was nearing time to go home, James gathered files for about half a dozen enforcing officials who desperately wanted to transfer to corrections and set off to pay his counterpart a visit and see the surprised look on his bitchy dumb face. He entered through the front of Corrections, waved to Rogers and the new intern. He waited at the back door until Rogers waved to the guard to let him back. He knocked firmly on the door to his old office and waited a moment. The door opened partway. How can I... Ollie looked up at James. Help you. Ollie stepped James out into the hall, nearly walking right into James. What the hell are you doing here? Relax. James smiled slightly. I have a good excuse. Ollie hesitated. All right, come on in. Ollie opened the door and walked backwards into the office partway before taking his eyes off James. James Porter to see you. Dante rolled his eyes. What do you want, James? Unlike you, I have a job to do. James slowly opened the file folder under his arm and pulled out a form. He presented it to Dante with a flourish. I do believe that is senior official third-class James Porter, head of enforcement to you, dickhead... Dante snatched the paper from him and looked it over. And to answer your question, I have six officials who want to transfer to corrections and was hoping to negotiate a trade. I also noticed Director Wren left a handful of files with your assistant that more accurately fall under the jurisdiction of enforcing and thought I would retrieve them. Dante handed the form back. When Wren said he had found a qualified individual to fill head of enforcement, he trailed off. I suppose you do have seniority by virtue of being born several years before I was. Take it up with Ollie when he has time. I trust his judgment on personnel. James turned towards Ollie, who had taken a seat. Do you happen to have a moment, Mr. Sharp, or shall I schedule an appointment with the front desk? I should be able to spare a moment. I can already think of a few candidates off the top of my head. You know there is a running list to get out of corrections. Ollie stood and looked to Dante. We were almost wrapped up here, are we not? Dante looked peeved. Yes, go on. James could hear Dante muttering under his breath as James Lynn Ollie left the office. You would think Wren was the one with a hole in his head. James started to turn back into the office to beat the living shit out of Dante, but Ollie grabbed him by the arm. It's not worth it, James. James shrugged Ollie off and followed him to his office. Ollie shut his office door behind James. He looked at James for a moment. Congratulations on your promotion. I take it talking to Wren paid off. Ollie took a seat and started pulling files from the cabinet thanks. It was a hard offer to pass up. James sat across from Ollie. How have you been? Me? Good. Ollie set the files on his desk. Busy. Sure. James looked around the office. Ollie had rearranged some of the furniture and most noticeably mounted one of Maury's double-headed axes on the wall behind his desk. His credentials and certifications were in the same frames that Maury's had been. James gestured to the axe. That your memento, Maury? Ollie did not pause his work pulling files. He had started a second pile. Yes, it sounds as though I am still set to inherit the executioner position, so I thought it might be fitting. Although I'm intending to be a bit more humane than Maury and stick to lethal injections. I have a good set of throwing knives up in my office. Her usual set is tied up in evidence. James did not know why he was talking about this. I will keep my eye out for them next time in your office. I imagine I'm going to be acting as Dante's ambassador. Ollie settled in his chair. Who do you have for me? James handed him the files, and Ollie handed him a small stack of folders. Is this everyone who wants out of corrections? No. Ollie leaned back in his chair and started looking at the papers James had given him. Not even close. That's just the six you want. James flipped through the files and realized he not only recognized every name, but that they were all people with whom he had worked closely and gotten along especially well. I can pull more files if you would like to pick yourself. No, this is great. Make the switch next Monday, then? I will see what I can do. Ollie took the files back from James and set them on the middle shelf next to his desk. He set the files James had brought on top of them and returned his attention to his desk. These are the cases you were talking about? They are all up to date as of Friday. James took the folders. Is there anything else I can do for you? James leaned on Ollie's desk. I heard the guys talking when I came in that you were seeing someone? Yes, I had a guy over and he was good enough to answer my communicator when my boss called, tickle me while I was on the phone, and then send me into work with a few hickeys on my neck. And now everyone wants to know when I see him again, because apparently they're taking bets on if it was a one-night stand or else how long it will last. Ollie busied himself collating papers while he spoke. I believe there's also a wager going on who it is. James gestured to himself. Am I... Ollie looked up at James. Yes, two joke votes for you because of your apparent redhead fetish. I meant to ask you about that. I thought you used to be a blonde. Mori used to bleach my hair for me. I cannot be bothered now. James nodded. He looked around Ollie's desk and grabbed a file at random from his inbox. He put it in the pile of cases Ollie had given him. What are you doing, James? James turned the stack of files and made out the lettering on the tab. "'What a shame. It seems you accidentally gave me the Xander case. "'You'll have to stop by my place after work to get it back.' "'He grabbed the stack and smiled at Ollie. "'Give me my case back, James.' "'James put the file back where he'd taken it from. "'Are you saying that because you're a professional who takes his job seriously "'or because I failed the one-week regret test and am not so cute anymore?' "'I am a professional, James. "'How about I come over tomorrow night and get you up to speed on your cases?' This is so fucking tedious. James was reading the fourth file so far on top of his bed. He had one arm around Ollie and leaned his head against Ollie's for a moment, still reading. Ollie pointed at part of the file. Come on, the man ran through a cafeteria wearing nothing but a cape with his initials sewn on the back. These are quality cases. I would love to sit on the interview with this guy. I'm sure you could if you wanted to. I did not understand how this has happened twice without him being caught. Maybe delinquency does need me. James shut the file and set it on the finished pile on the nightstand. He yawned. Do not fall asleep. We have five more to get through. I cannot help it. You're warm and relaxing. These are boring as fuck. James stretched. I need a break. Talk to me about something that is not delinquency. Anything. Like what? You and I both live and breathe delinquency. I know. James pulled Ollie closer. We should go out and do something. What would you like to go out and do, James? We could go spar, go shooting, or swim, or play cards in the rec room. James shrugged with his arm that was not around Ollie. Or anything else you can think of? You want to go spar with me at 2200? Alright, maybe not spar. James rested his chin on Ollie's head. Sparring is a bad idea all around. I would not want to hurt you. Everything else still stands, though. Ollie straddled James facing him. He put his hands on James' shoulders and pushed him back lightly. James let Ollie hold him down. Hello, Ollie. You do not think I'm tough, do you? Just because I'm a little on the short side and gay, you think I'm all fragile and feminine. I will have you know, I'm perfectly capable of kicking your ass. Ollie punctuated his thought by playfully shoving James. You're adorable when you're feisty. James rolled over on top of Ollie and held him down with his hips. He looked down at Ollie. Scratch that, you're always adorable. Are you awake enough to get back to your papers, or are you still restless? I'm awake, but I'm very restless. James lowered himself just above Ollie and kissed him on the mouth, before kissing along his neck and jaw. You had better tell me if I'm supposed to stop. James held his face above Ollie's and looked him in the eyes. Since you cannot kick my ass. I could, I just do not want to. Ollie went to kiss James, and James pulled his face back just out of reach, smiling. With some effort and cooperation from James, Ollie managed to roll back on top of him. He grabbed him and kissed him roughly on the mouth. A communicator buzzed. Ollie kept kissing James until James turned his head. I want to ignore it too, but if it is mine, I definitely cannot light this late at night. Ollie lifted himself off James and reached for the table. It is mine. He lay with his back to James and answered it. Hello, Ollie Sharp. James ran his fingers down Ollie's back. Ollie shivered and flinched slightly. Hey Ollie, it is Roger. What the hell do you need at 2300? Why, you busy? There was another voice in the background asking if Ollie seriously just snapped and some various murmurs of speculation. James pressed his chest against Ollie's back and gently started sucking on his neck and running his hands down Ollie's side. Ollie tried to keep his composure. It is the middle of the night on my night off. I like to sleep at some point. James left bigger kisses along Ollie's neck and crept his hand around Ollie's thigh. Right, right, but when you say sleeping. James rubbed Ollie's cock through his shorts. Ollie pressed back into James. You guys really need to get a fucking life. James started to put his hand down Ollie's pants, but before he could, Ollie had hung up and rolled over on top of him, pinning him to the bed. Ollie put all his weight on James's waist and squeezed his arms against his sides with his knees maybe you could kick my ass. Do you want everyone to know that you're the man I'm apparently seeing because it is very hard to keep from blurting your name out when you're kissing my neck and fondling me? Sorry. I do not want you to be sorry. I want to know if that is what it is. Do you want people to think we are lovers? That is what people will think, that we are lovers. No one is going to buy that we just hang out and cuddle and talk about work and feelings. I know. I know. The way Ollie was pinning James to the bed and the way he spoke reminded him of Maury, almost uncannily so. James was mulling over that maybe part of him did want everyone to think he and Ollie were lovers. Ollie's communicator started to buzz again. He leaned over and grabbed it back off the table, still sitting on James. Yes? Hey, Ollie. Roger again. I think your communicator's acting up because I lost you for a minute there. It was not a glitch, Roger. Ollie looked at James in the eyes while he spoke. James did almost want to pipe up. He could not for the life of him place exactly why. On every level, it made sense to not advertise that they were... what? They were not really anything in particular. Certainly they were not lovers, and James would rather not push that point than give up whatever they did or did not have. Now it was. We were talking, and then there was click silence. So, we were wondering. Rogers, it is a violation of policy to call a co-worker during reasonable sleeping hours without a good cause. Come on, Ollie. You know Dante does not give a fuck. Who are you going to report this to unless you're fucking somebody high up? James spoke in his most professional voice he could muster, considering the circumstance. Ollie is not fucking anyone tonight, as he was kind enough to give up his weekend plans to help me go through some cases that were left in care of corrections by Director Wren. I understand it is a long-standing tradition to harass your co-workers, but knock it the fuck off for tonight, I'm trying to get shit done. Sorry, Mr. Porter. Consider it knock the fuck off. Thanks, Roger. Enjoy your evening, gentlemen. You too, Mr. Porter. There was a you too Ollie thrown in the background as well. Ollie ended the call and climbed off of James. Thanks. Seeing as it is kind of my fault, do not mention it. James situated himself back against the headboard. On to file five then? He held his arm up for Ollie to smoosh in next to him. On to file five. James had taken to spending Ollie's nights off with Ollie and just going into work with a little less sleep than usual those mornings. They kissed and cuddled, but not much more. Ollie always seemed reluctant, and James did not push the issue. He was happy enough to not be alone all the time, and he slept better with Ollie around. Besides, James still felt a little odd at the idea of letting go of Maury. He still thought of her from time to time, and there was starting to be a lot more bad memories mixed in with the good. Her petulance, the threats that seemed less than playful, the murders and the fact that she had been clearly trying to fuck Ren the entire time they were together were more prominent. In fact, the more time he spent around not only Ollie, but also in charge of his own subdivision, he, the more he felt that if Maury had loved him or even truly cared about him, she had a really odd way of showing it. He did not like to think about this and did not like to catch himself speculating about what his relationship with Maury had been. He mostly focused on work to keep his mind busy and put in a lot of long hours. In the month he had been back at delinquency, he had only spoken to Wren directly four times. Once a week, James briefed Wren on all the goings-on. Wren would always thank him and linger a moment, waiting for James to speak, before excusing himself from James's office with the same pensive, sad restraint. Every week, James very nearly did blurt something out after the brief, to see if Wren wanted to get a coffee or to throw out a snide remark. But James could not bring himself to reach out or to hurt Wren, Director Wren, and Senior Official Porter. James hated it. But at this moment, his mind was quiet because it was a Tuesday and he was spending the night at Ollie's place. You awake? James did not open his eyes. Am now, why? Ollie lay on his back next to James. I'm having a hard time sleeping tonight. Was I snoring? James had his arm under Ollie's neck. Yes, but it was not keeping me awake. No? James stretched and glanced at the clock. Are you only interested in me because I remind you of Maury? The question woke James most the rest of the way. He turned on his side and rested his head on Ollie's shoulder. No, I'm interested in you because of all the things that make you Ollie, some of which you have in common with your sister and remind me of her, but the vast majority of which you definitely do not. I'm trying not to let myself get too attached to you here's hoping you fail. Ollie chuckled. At least I know you're being honest. James realized what he had said. Oh, shit. Sorry, Ollie. I'm not all the way awake. It's fine. You can go back to sleep, James. James listened to Ollie's heartbeat. Why are you thinking about this at 0300? I do not know, James. Usually I do not think about it until after you've gone. Usually? James sat up in bed and turned the light on. He rubbed his eyes. Why did you turn the light on? It did not seem like a conversation to have in the dark. James waited for his eyes to finish adjusting and looked at Ollie. Ollie was blinking exaggeratedly. His hair was wild and sticking up. James felt no overwhelming tenderness for Ollie. Besides, I like looking at you. James tried to run his fingers through Ollie's hair, but they got stuck in the curls. Sorry. It's fine. Why do you not want to get too attached to me? I do not want to ruin a good thing. I thought that was the good thing, James frowned. You do not think I'm just in it for the sex, do you? Well, clearly not. Let's be honest, I have feelings for you, James. James started to speak, but Ollie continued. I'm not saying I want to move in together that I expect you to want to announce to the world that we are seeing each other. Ollie crossed his arms over his chest and rubbed his shoulders. Ollie looked away from James. God, this sounds so fucking clingy. You do not sound clingy, Ollie. I just really like you, James, and I guess I just want to know if there's a chance of this turning into an actual relationship or if I'm deluding myself. James was somewhat dumbstruck. I should not have brought this up in the middle of the night. Sorry, I was just thinking about the last six weeks we've been seeing each other. Truthfully, I just figured I would keep showing up to spend the night with you until you got fed up with me or found someone you liked better. I would like to be lovers, but if you want to take things slow, I will somehow manage. I'd rather masturbate on my own time still smelling of your aftershave than not. That was very nearly romantic. Ollie hugged James. Does that mean I can touch your cock now? Ollie laughed and kissed James's neck. You are a real asshole, James. That does not necessarily sound like a no. It is not a no. Ollie pressed his junk against James's thigh and rubbed his cock through his shorts. James kissed Ollie. You do know I have to get up for work in less than an hour, right? Is it really that late? James nodded and kissed Ollie on the forehead. I think that makes you the asshole this time. I did not mean you had to stop. Are you sure? I was just saying we had a time restraint. Ollie flicked the light back off. Oh, no problem. Finishing things on short notice is 50% of my job description. James nearly started to regret waking up at 3 by 11. He grabbed a cup of coffee from the break room and brought it with him to the weekly brief with Ren. It was early this week, and Elliot was going to be there. And Dante was going to be there as well. With each step closer, James wished he had either faked his death this morning or had perhaps not accepted the head of enforcement position after all. James had inadvertently used Ollie's aftershave when he was getting ready for work, and that was enough to get him into the boardroom. He dutifully took his seat next to Dante across from Wren and Elliot. Apologies for my tardiness, gentlemen. I needed a cup of coffee. James held up his mug. Elliot dismissed his words. You've arrived far later for far more important things, James. Do not mention it. Elliot glanced at the clock. All right, you and Wren know how this works already. James... But for Dante's benefit, this is the end of the quarter brief where you can air any grievances about delinquency. Elliot made a show of fake coughing into his arm. (coughs) Staffing issues. (coughs) He rested his arm back on the table. I will tell you that as director of the Department of People, I will consider your feedback and try to procure more people. You say thanks, recruitment levels stay the same because no one can get through the goddamn training anymore. We have this discussion again next quarter. Dante seemed slightly put off. You're basically saying I cannot get any more people in corrections? I am saying we cannot get any more people anywhere, Elliot shrugged. Besides the staffing issues, do you have anything else to say regarding corrections, Dante? Dante handed Elliot a sheet of paper. I outlined several suggestions for new policies for your consideration, Director Fields. Elliot read over the paper before offering it to Ren. Your thoughts, Ren? Ren adjusted his reading glasses. The incident between Dante's predecessor and his assistant was already against an official policy we are in talks of getting widely repealed. Although unprofessional, it was also highly unusual. Wren glanced at Elliot. I see nothing beneficial in restricting the personal lives of our employees further in response to an already resolved incident. Wren spoke in such a way that if James had not known that they were clearly talking about himself and Maury, he would have been unsure. As for recognizing time off... There actually have been quite a few complaints from corrections officials who are overworked. The maximum working hours exist to prevent accidents, and I would advise you abide by them. Ren handed the papers back to Elliot. I agree with Ren. I appreciate that you're trying to maximize efficiency, but we're only as efficient as our officials. Elliot handed the paper back to Dante. Thank you for your consideration. Dante put the paper back in his briefcase. Elliot nodded. And you, James? Let me guess. More comfortable dress code? Force Wren to wear extra ammo belts despite them clashing with his outfit? A petition to name office plants all variations of James Jr.? Or have you come up with some other smart-ass suggestions since you've been in enforcing? James smiled politely. Actually, Elliot, besides the aforementioned staffing issues, I would say Director Wren handed enforcement over in excellent shape and I would be nitpicking if I could find any grievances. Elliot was taken aback. Anything to say to that, Wren? I wholeheartedly trust senior official Porter's judgment and concur that it has been running smoothly since he has assumed the position, certainly not to my surprise. James bowed his head slightly. All right, unless there's anything else, that concludes this quarter's meeting. Thank you for your time, Elliot, Director Wren. James nodded at each of them slightly. Dante did the same and left ahead of James. As soon as James got to the door, Elliot called after him. Get back over here, James. James walked back to the table. Yes, Elliot? Elliot gestured towards the chair James had been sitting in. Have a seat. James sat back down. He continued to speak cordially. Have I committed a wrongdoing? Is this your quarterly prank? You are a professional now? Wren was very slowly pulling a cigarette from his case and rolling it between his fingers. I'm afraid I'm unsure of what the hell... James stumbled slightly in his wording. Helpful feedback it is that you're trying to provide, would you kindly clarify? Elliot looked at James with his eyebrows raised for a moment before starting to laugh. This is the best one yet. You sound like a parody of Wren, and shit, regulation hair and clean shaven. That is commitment. Wren was still staring at his cigarette. Senior official Porter has abided entirely by regulation since he assumed his current position. Elliot stopped laughing. It is not a prank if Wren is in on it. What the hell has gotten into you two? Director Wren, James? Unless something changed, Director Wren prefers to be called by his first name. It is not my aim to sound disrespectful, and would be more than willing to call him Director Winston if he preferred. If I had not witnessed your friendship for the past 15 years, I would have thought you two had never met. For the love of God, do something out of regulation already, James. At least grow your hair back out. I need James Porter and Wren running delinquency. Not Senior Official Porter and Director Wren. Fine. James put his elbows on the desk. If you want me to be unprofessional, why the fuck is Dante running corrections? Did he seriously try to get you to do away with time off? That guy's a fucking prick. Ren still had not lit his cigarette. Dante is heading corrections because he has the most seniority in corrections currently. His placement in corrections from management is set to expire in less than a year, which will allow for a natural opportunity for Oliver Sharp to move up, assuming he would like the position and lives up to his aptitude. Should Mr. Sharp decline the position, he will at least be experienced enough to help a lateral transfer from enforcement, likely an enforcing manager, as they familiarize themselves with corrections. That actually makes a lot of fucking sense, thanks always my pleasure. Elliot glanced at the clock. I have to get going. You two talk it out or I'm enrolling you in marriage counseling. Elliot pointed at both of them as he left. I mean it. James did not move to get up, even after he knew Elliot was well out in the main hallway. He sat silently and watched Ren continue to twirl his cigarette. Can you just fucking light that thing already? Ren flinched and dropped his cigarette on the table. Sorry. James stared at the cigarette. Sorry, I should not have yelled. It was definitely uncalled for. I know that is just a thing you do when you're antsy. Wren picked the cigarette off the table and lit it. Completely unintentional. Wren held his case out to James. James took one and Wren lit it for him. James took a slow drag. He had not smoked in a long time. For the past decade, he seemed to only smoke when Wren was around. Thanks. Wren nodded. James finished smoking a cigarette and put it out in the ashtray. Wren did the same. After a while, Wren started to gather his papers into his briefcase slowly. If there is nothing else, we should talk. Wren and James did not talk the entire time that they were walking out of the office. James looked at the ground while he walked and mostly just followed Wren back to his apartment. James did not even think about what he was going to talk to Ren about, not because he did not want to, but because his mind had completely blanked. When they got inside and settled on their usual spots on the sofa, James finally spoke. Why did you move me to head of enforcement? I thought you wanted the position. Regardless, enforcing is what you're best at. James shook his head. No, I mean you shot the girl I see in between the eyes, listened to me tell you off, and then put me in an important position that I could have very easily fucked up and made a big mess of for you. You were not a spiteful person by nature. I figured that the only way you would take the position was if you wanted it so desperately you were willing to deal with working for me, in which case you would want the position badly enough to do well at it. Did you know I was going to accept the position? No, I was quite surprised you did. Wren did not hesitate with his answers. They came back almost as fast as James could query. How long did you know Ollie was Maury's brother? I suspected it after pulling Poppy's file and seeing the fire missing from Oliver's. Why did you not tell me? I tried to. Why were you fucking Mori? I did not have sex with Mori. No? No. Really? Yes. How strictly are we defining sex here? Ren had tensed his jaw a fair bit, but was clearly attempting to not show his annoyance. I did not have sexual intercourse with Mori. You fooled around with Mori. Yes. Fooling around by Mori's definitions or yours? Ren crossed his arms and looked at the painting on the wall. Hers. You had sex with Mori. I specifically did not have sex with Mori because I actually have some semblance of standards when it comes to women. I fooled around with her a bit because I had to. Why did you have to? Easiest way to control her. James paused. Rin was staring off into space and had seemingly willed his annoyance away. James asked his next question cautiously. Why did you need to control her? I was using her. Or attempting to. For what? Politics. It is complicated. Were you always going to kill her? No. Why did you kill her? She would have killed you if I had not. James looked at Wren again. Wren had not moved. James struggled thinking of a follow-up question. The brevity of Wren's answers was somewhat unsettling, as was the fact he had not given in to any sort of banter, but remained completely serious and mostly expressionless. What makes you say that? She said as much. Why would she... She thought I was planning on killing her anyway. She knew she could not kill me, but knew how to do the most damage possible to me. Do you really think she would have killed me? Yes. James did not say anything. I know you think it's all bullshit. Wren held his face in his hands. I know you're just waiting for me to off myself so you can spit on my corpse. Wren spoke quietly. I cannot say I blame you. James patted Wren on the back. Wren looked up at him. His eyes were wet. Before you accepted the job offer, you asked me if we were ever friends, but you did not let me answer. We've always been friends, James. You're my only friend. I cannot express how sorry I am that you were ever able to doubt that. That was a critical failure on my part. I never meant to harm you in any way. I was so wrapped up in my own grief and my own visions, I did not stop to consider your feelings. You want me to tell you the truth, Wren? Yes. James looked down at the carpet. I've missed you a hell of a lot more than I miss Maury. I missed you as well, James. Now please, stop crying before I fucking start crying. Wren laughed. He paused for a second and then laughed harder. James laughed as well. What are we laughing at? Wren regained his composure. It is absolutely not funny. That has never stopped you before. Wren smirked. I just thought all of a sudden that this will go in your compilation of real Wren tales. I pulled my gun on a filing cabinet, you broke my nose sparring, I shot your fiancé between the eyes. Wren grinned and rubbed the back of his neck. I told you it was not funny. It is a little bit funny. Funny hearing it come out of your mouth. James felt a lot better talking to Wren. Things made sense when Wren explained them. Even if he still had a lot of questions about Maury, they did not seem so pressing. How have you been, Ren? Wren studied James before answering. I've been doing well enough, especially since you've taken over enforcement. I've had time to sleep. I have not been able to sleep, however, so I've managed to do some perusing of old records and found some interesting things to show you when you have time. Like what? Wren fixed his cuffs. James never thought he would be so happy to watch Wren smugly fidget. I found a few old blueprints for sections of the complex that seemingly no longer exist. They appear to be just completely walled off and only accessible with some rather obscure knowledge of emergency preparedness corridors, or else a good fire axe. You have my attention. I unfortunately left the blueprints in my office. However, if you were interested, we could peruse them over lunch one of these days and perhaps plan an expedition. Sure, you got it. Wren looked very pleased with himself. And how have you been, James? James. Good, surprisingly. Aside from work, I've been. James wondered if he should keep his mouth shut. Actually, I've been seeing someone for a little while now, and I've been working on my temper a bit and all around trying to be a slightly better person sometimes. I've noticed the work on your temper. What is your lover like? James felt a lump in his throat. Not your type. No one you have ever courted is. No details? Kind, patient, cute little bookworm type. Probably the calmest person you would ever meet. How long? About six weeks. I know the timing was odd, but you just do not pass up that kind of catch. You do not have to justify yourself to me, James. You seem happy. She sounds nice. He is. Apologies for my assumption. Wren raised his eyebrows briefly. I must admit, you are correct. About what? Oliver is the calmest person I've ever met. James started to speak, but stopped several times. I take it I am not incorrect in my understanding. Now you got it, Wren. James looked around the room. I'm seeing Ollie. He was somewhat waiting for some sort of snide remark or pensive summary of why he was being an idiot. I'm honestly not sure why I was surprised. You certainly fit the description of who Oliver has said he was seeing, and it seemed a little out of character for him to just not mention a name. He is a good match for you. I would not have guessed that you... Ren stopped talking and held his hands out. That I what? James mimicked Ren's shrug. That I like men? Ren put his hands down. I have known you a long time, James. That does not surprise me in the slightest. Especially not thinking of Oliver. He definitely looks like someone you would be interested in. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Wren looked at James. You cannot honestly be annoyed that I'm aware of your sexuality after 15 years, especially with how often I've been around you while you've been drunk, not that you are a subtle sober either. I will do you a favor and not bring up some of those conversations, but suffice to say, I know. I'm a bit surprised, however, that you are dating Maury's brother of all people. I suppose this only further illustrates Oliver's near superhuman levels of rationality and empathy and... May I ask you something? James thought for a moment. He wanted to tell Wren about his chat with Lexington. He really wanted to tell Wren just about everything that had happened since Maury had died. But there was still something tense. It was Wren's cordiality that made it tense, his terse politeness and short, choppy sentences. You just did. Pardon? You just asked me something. James shook his head. Your jokes are not funny when I tell them either. What do you want to know, Wren? Was settling down Maury's idea? Yes. It occurred to James that Wren was letting him set the conversation limits. Yes, it was. It was Maury's idea. She brought me a bottle of whiskey out of the blue, which I ended up eventually pouring down the sink if you were concerned and then started asking if I loved her and how much and if I would die for her and saying we should settle down because it would be mutually beneficial and telling me how afraid she was of you. I definitely felt uneasy at the time, but she pulled the Save My Life card and said I should know that she loved me and all that and apologized for being involved with you and, well, everything. James thought about how Lexington had said Maury asked about him first, then Wren. She made it sound like you were madly in love with her. James shifted uncomfortably. He continued speaking his thoughts aloud, hoping to put Ren at ease. Now that I think about it, altogether with what you said, I guess she was using me to get to you. She probably only saved my life to get on your good side. Quite possibly. Knock it off with the two-word answers, Ren, and do not say "Pardon." You heard me. I'm talking to you, so talk to me. Thanks for trying to give me space, but I had space. I want some goddamn answers now. I was unsure if you wanted to hear it. Just talk to me, Ren. Well, I believe to begin with, Mori was using you to get my attention and to get to me. I believe she instigated the bar fight and later informed your victim's brother as to where he would be able to find you alone and likely out of it, so that she would be able to save your life. She most definitely lied to me about seeing you initially. I'm I'm certain she was trying to make you jealous, because it sounded like she exaggerated the nature of our relationship greatly. As I assure you, despite the intimacy, it was quite casual and businesslike in nature. Most certainly not a romance." I did not know her endgame entirely, except that she was certainly quite infatuated with me. In retrospect, I think she panicked that I was able to resist her advances, and that is what led to her erratic behavior, and in turn my revelation that perhaps she was more than I could handle and not worth the risk after all. James's head hurt. Can you repeat that last bit, Ren? My apologies. Allow me to attempt to translate that into James-speak for you. When I would not fuck her, she started freaking the fuck out, and I realized that holy shit, she was fucking nuts. Thanks, Ren. James could not contain his laughter. Next quarter, we can switch places for the meeting with Elliot. You can come in unshaven talking like that, and I will get a little pair of reading glasses to balance on my nose. Wren smirked. I think that would be enough to make Dante resign outright. Should I be concerned about my head of enforcement dating my planned head of corrections? I'm not aiming to interfere with your personal life, but wonder if I should search more thoroughly for another candidate. It will not be an issue, Wren. I trust your judgment. Wren leaned back and pulled out a cigarette. He offered one to James. James shook his head. He watched Wren smoke. I went and talked to Lexington. Thought you should know. Did he have anything interesting to say before you killed him? You knew? Ren nodded. And you still offered me the job? Ren nodded again. After all that has happened, there is very little I can begrudge you for, James. James was quiet a moment. He said Maury visited him a lot, apparently. She asked about me, and then you, and then Luna, and tortured him, apparently. He said she reminded him of a spider. Ren nearly knocked the cigarette out of his mouth, smirking. I told him about you killing Morrie, and we talked about that a bit. He said I was the most human out of all of us. You may very well be, James. You should view that as your gift, not your weakness. James smiled slightly before sobering. So that is the conversation that inspired you to attempt to get back on your feet? Wren snuffed his cigarette in the ashtray. It is fortunate I did not take Morrie up on her offer to kill him. James glanced at his watch. It was getting towards the late afternoon. I need to get back to the office, Ren. I have a 1700 meeting with one of my managers. I should get back as well. Ren began to gather his things. Perhaps we could do lunch tomorrow? And every other day we were both in the office? And we still have a lot of catching up to do.